Hello, it is 7.30 a.m. in New York, 2.30 p.m. in Johannesburg, and 7.30 p.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to a very special edition of Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Schneider Bean from sundaybean.com. I'm a solution-oriented coach and intercultural strategist for individuals and organizations, and I am on a mission to help you adapt and succeed when living abroad and get you through any life transition. It's my birthday. (laughs) Well, actually, it was my birthday on Saturday, and today's episode is celebrating the fourth birthday of Expat Happy Hour. We are already in season five, but the first episodes, episodes one, two, three, and four, dropped at the end of January 2017. So 2017, 18, 19, 20, oh my God, four years. And I am so excited to celebrate with you in this episode to look back on the fourth year of Expat Happy Hour because it has been quite a year. But quickly, before we do that, I I was kind of curious. I turned 44 and Expat Happy Hour is four. So I wanted to see, so what is about this number four. What is special? And I'd love to hear from you, depending on your spiritual beliefs or your cultural background, what is four significant of in your culture or the way that you see the world? I don't know. I don't have any special attachment to four. So I looked it up and I came across a site where they talked about four. And they said, those who walk a life path with number four have an almost unbreakable spirit and astounding capabilities of self-control. Four reminds us that equality for all sides creates the strongest structures. It is energy that is stability. Wow. This was gorgeous. This is just kind of a numerology uh, website that I came across called buildingbeautifulsouls.com. And I thought, what a wonderful representation of so much that I believe in. You know from my episode on the consistency commitment that I really believe on that, the importance of committing to something and going forward with it And that is that idea of self-control, right? Of being focused on what you want. It's also interesting because it comes in a year where I'm actually trying to let go of control, that um, looking at where in my life that I have control that really feels good and where is it good to break that control, break that routine and liberate myself from that. So it made me think of what I'm also working on um, at the same time. This idea of unbreakable spirit connects to my goals I've had on really replenishing my energy resources so that I can continue to show up for myself, for my family, for my friends, and for you, the listeners of Expat Happy Hour, as well as my clients throughout the year. And the last one, it reminds us of equality for all sides, and it creates the strongest structures. And I can't help think about all of the inequity that is so obviously present when we turn on the global news and that the answer of that is equality 
for all sides so that we can have a strong structure as a community. So it was an interesting thing I stumbled on that ended up having some meaning for me um, in multiple ways on this fourth birthday of Expat Happy Hour. Wait till the end of this episode where I'm going to share more about what else I created just for you after reflecting on the year and what I've heard from you that you want from me. So I'll say more at the end. All right. So we wanted to do something a little fun to celebrate the fourth birthday of Expat Happy Hour. So as I did in year three, turning over the mic to my BFF this year, I'm going to turn over the mic to Natasha, who is my right-hand woman at Expat Happy Hour. Um, here's what happened. A little backstory. I was like, hey, Natasha, how about we do something spontaneous and um, unscripted for Expat Happy Hour? Are you down? And what we agreed on is we were going to um, brainstorm three questions to ask each other independently, hop on a call, hit record, and then ask them with no preparation. And here's what happened. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited and you couldn't sleep. Why couldn't you sleep? Why wow, I'm so nervous. Because also I wasn't sure about what questions to ask. So I came up with a few, but... Um... I don't know if they're good enough, but we'll see. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So what I did is I prepared three questions. So for people who are listening, I prepared three questions and Natasha doesn't know anything about those questions and Natasha independently <laughs> prepared three questions. So we're going to discover this right now. This is so much fun. It's fun for me. You're the one who can't sleep. I'm so sorry. Um, do you want to go first? And you ask all of yours in one go and then I go, or do you want me to start? Uh, let me ask mine in one go and okay. see, see if they, they work. Okay. <laughs> First question was, have you always had this positive attitude? Oh, that's a fun question. Um, I would say yes, but I remember there was a time in college where it was probably my first real transition. I moved away from my home. I moved away from everybody that knew me. And I landed in Minneapolis, Minnesota for a university. It was a school of like 65,000 people. Um, and I was really lonely, really lonely. I was, I had, I moved um, my sophomore semester after the first semester in a freshman dorm. Everybody knew each other. I knew no one. And I think in hindsight, I think I was depressed. Wow. Um, so I caught myself, um, like stomping down after work one day, like stomping, like how bad my life was and how nobody understood me and blah, 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 blah. And, um, it, I, that was not a positive phase of my life. Um, and I didn't even have the words for it then. Um, mm -hmm. I think because I've always been so positive and happy, um, it kind of took me over like a gray cloud and I couldn't even see myself in it. So Yes, I am usually positive, but that was a phase where it was like, mm. and I honestly think that's, um, that was such a good teacher for me to realize how it feels to be lonely and how, when you get pulled out of your familiar and get into an unfamiliar situation, yeah. how, how that's hard. And that prepared me later for expat life. Wow. That's heavy, but mm -hmm. very honest. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, second question is what made you decide to become a coach? Okay. Um, so 
I was an intercultural specialist. I got my master's degree in intercultural training. And that is like, you're the specialist, you're the expert of the content, but I was working more with adults and I just felt like adults are better when they find their own answers, right? It's good to have like strategies and those things, but I knew I was missing something from a method perspective. And I was, I had a wonderful mentor, a shout out to Sandra Capra from then it was called Anderson Consulting. Now it's called Accenture. She, um, she was a wonderful coach, trained in coaching, and also taught us coaching principles through my work there and, and when I was um, an intern at the company. Mm-hmm. And she came to visit once in Switzerland, and we were talking, and she's like, Sunday, you just really seem like you have an affinity for coaching, a passion for coaching. And I have a qualitative communication research background. So asking questions and that sort of thing is part of my training. She's like, this could be the next step. So I did it. And it was one of those things where it, it was one of those things that countered one of the, some of the limiting beliefs that I realized I was holding on to that. It's going to be difficult. It's going to take a long time because it wasn't difficult and it didn't take a long time. Like it was challenging, that's sure. But there was so much of a natural affinity for me. I picked it up pretty fast. That's awesome. Um, And then last question would be what, what is one piece of advice you would give to someone that wants to pursue coaching? Um, I would say do training, definitely go and do a certified training program. Um, one for the methodology, but also to work through your own stuff. So when I, I was already a certified coach when I did a second certification, it was actually one of my third trainings. And that one was a big one. It was intensive. And I freaked out before, cause I knew I would have to, <laughs> I would have to confront my own <laughs> bullshit. Um, so do your own work, like really do your own work. Cause you have to get out of your own way. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, engage in the methodology. So that's my advice. Great. Okay. Yeah. That doesn't sound bad, was it? <laughs> no, 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 no. Now I have to answer the question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So I, this is so fun. I'm so excited. You're so awesome to do this. Um, okay. So three words that come to mind when you are going to describe what it's like to work with me. Be honest and no filtering. <laughs> three words that I'm going to use? Sorry. Yeah, three words that come to mind to describe what it's like to work with me. Fun, challenging, informative. If I, if I can say if I can say that, yeah, that's good. You're 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 very fun to work for, even though it is it, it can be quite challenging most of the time. Mm-hmm. But I'm learning so much that. I don't, I don't even, I don't feel, I don't feel it. And I feel the weeks go by so quickly and time moves at, you know, at a quick pace because I'm always on the ball and I'm always doing something. It's just great because I'm constantly busy. So I love that. And you're a great person to work for. So I couldn't ask for, yeah, anything. Any, I couldn't ask for anyone better to work for. <laughs> you're making me blush now. <laughs> you're so sweet. Don't make me ugly cry. <laughs> Don't make me ugly cry. Okay, so fun. I just want to respond to that for a second. So playful is one of my my values, and um, people who know me well know that that's part of who I am. So I'm really happy to hear that it's fun, especially since it's challenging. Because you know we run it like a ship over here. Right? Yeah, 
Um, anybody who's watching, who's part of the Ignite Challenge this week, Natasha is the one behind all of that. Um, I'm the one who creates the content and the ideas, but Natasha is really the one who brings it home and makes it look beautiful and make sure that it's on time. So uh, without you, I could not do this, right? And I am not a micromanager. I want I want to be, I want to do my thing and you do your thing. And that is just so liberating for me to know that I trust you and you can, you can do that and make that happen. Um, so that right. means a lot to me and informative. Yeah. If there's things that you're learning along the way, because growth is also one of my core goals. Um, I want you to grow too. Right. Absolutely. So. And I feel, I feel that. So I'm, I'm very happy. Very, so very fun. Yay, so fun. Okay, next one. Um, what is the hardest part of working with me? Um, I would say sometimes work does pile up and sort of managing my time mm -hmm. and what's important can be can be can be difficult. Just trying to figure out how do I, you know, strategically sequence everything that I need to do without forgetting anything and right. things sometimes fall on top of each other and some things may get get missed once in a while but I think not that yeah. often not that often <laughs> I don't think so yeah, yeah. I, I like you will we handle it well if something mm -hmm. like that does happen and it's immediately fixed so right. yeah that's good. I, I, I mean, you're not, you're managing not only expats on purpose, but you're supporting my group for expat coach coalition year of transformation, uh, my newsletter with a podcast production, um, the transcription, you're just doing all of that behind the scenes. Um, so of course yeah. it, everything can feel always important, but you're crushing it. Okay. So this is my last one. This I'm really excited about. Um, if we did something outside of work socially, and we were going to spend a day together. What would you want to do together? Definitely wine tasting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was thinking wine too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, definitely wine tasting. There's a, oh, a wine farm close to Johannesburg. It's not mm -hmm. too far out. So, and it's actually closer to Pretoria, I think. So spending the day there just drinking wine and yeah, talking. I think that's my, that's my ideal day. That would be awesome. That I would like to spend with you. I think we need a strategy session there. <laughs> yeah, we can strategize and drink wise. Oh my God. Thank you so much, Natasha. So this is, um, Natasha so kindly agreed to do this. This is something spontaneous we wanted to do to celebrate the fourth birthday of expat happy hour. But I wanted to also take this time to say thank you, Natasha, for all your hard work behind expat happy hour, because without you, our listeners wouldn't get to enjoy it every single week. And thank you. Thank you for giving me this amazing opportunity where I get to learn so much and I get to work with you. So oh, I'm very grateful. Thank you. <laughs> so that was super fun. And I was not expecting that love bomb from Natasha. Um, absolutely means the world to me and says so much about Natasha and how wonderful she is to work with. So again, shout out to Natasha for my right-hand woman who is behind the scenes making um, expat happy hour and so many things at uh, sundaybean.com happen. She's not the only person on my team, but she is definitely the one who is by my side every single day, week in 
and week out. All right, let's shift focus now and keep the party going by looking at some of the highlights from this fourth year. But when I actually looked at the topics that were coming before everything with COVID hit, it was like this eerie precursor preparation for what was to come, right? So when I was doing the initial episodes of the fourth year of Expat Happy Hour, the reality of lockdown hadn't hit us. Uh, It was just secluded to China at that point and some of the region around there. And the topics that I covered, it was like I was one step ahead of what you were going to need in the coming months. So the first episode that hit me was we were looking at long distance survival guide. How do you have long distance relationships? Then we looked at emergency preparedness and then traumatic transitions. Little did we know that just a few weeks later, all of those things would be relevant for a huge portion of us globally. So go ahead and listen in to what we were about to discover we would need, but didn't know yet. The first one will kick off with episode 161, Long Distance Survival Guide with Christine Gerber-Root. Yes. The other question I think that's really vital when we're talking about your relationship with your partner is, ah, is do you actually like each other? (laughs) Wow, I did not expect that. Yep. If your relationship is on the rocks, Mm -hmm. if you are not able to communicate now, if you're struggling with your relationship, long distance, not necessarily, but long distance relationships makes it more difficult to communicate. You have to put more effort into the communication. And if you're already struggling at that, it can be more difficult. So Mm -hmm. what we know about growth and all of this is that when you're under, when you're in a period of stress, that's often when you grow. You know how this is with the muscles, you strain your muscles, you, you know, work your muscles. So they grow. It's the same thing with anything you create. Stress will create growth, but with relationships, the stress will also cause weak links to break. Mm -hmm. If you've got a weak link and you're not willing to strengthen it, it's going to break. Mm -hmm. So there has to be that word of caution. Having Christine on is always a treat. She always brings something that is absolutely paradigm shifting for me. And that episode was definitely something worth listening to. Right after that episode, I invited Kim Adams from Resilient Expats to join me in episode 162 called Expat First Aid Kit. And there we talked about emergency preparedness and what are some of the things that we as expats who are living around the world, whether we're in a developed country or a developing country, need to have ready. What conversations should we have? And we had no idea that that emergency preparedness would be sweeping the globe so quickly. Listen in on what Kim had to say. But um, Mm -hmm. one of my top tips is think in advance of who you know that you could call when you need help in a medical situation. Um, 
when you go in to a doctor, it's usually, I mean, if it's a routine appointment, okay, that's one thing. But if it's a surprise and you weren't expecting it, your brain is not functioning at normal capacity. It's hard to take in information and process information. It's hard to make decisions and evaluate what's happening. So it can be a lifeline to have someone that you can call, hey, this is what's happening, and they can help you walk through, give you a perspective about uh, this is how we would handle the situation in our country in a, um, in a system that you understand and makes sense to you. You know how it works. And they can say, okay, we would test for this. We would check this result. That would steer us in this direction. And it gives you something to compare to so that you can get the care you need in your local context. And then, as if this was all foreseen, I had Shelley Burroughs on in episode 163, Trauma Recovery, where we touched on the role of trauma with children and how sometimes traumatic transitions can impact kids and how we can support them. Little did we know that families would be split across the world from each other indefinitely. Here's what Shelly has to say about how we can support our kids through difficult times. Well, there's different types of trauma and a very simple way that I found of describing it that actually made sense to a lot of people was there are small T traumas and large T, large T traumas. So large T traumas, big ones are kind of the transition, loss, bereavement, war, terrorism, very, very high levels of trauma, the things that are more obvious to us. And for a lot of people, it can be physical attack, it can be childhood neglect, physical abuse, all of those big T traumas. Small T traumas are the smaller traumas that are more to do with how uh, how we are going on in our daily lives. So it can be things like, for instance, the loss of a pet could be a small T trauma for many people, but it's how your brain perceives the trauma. So small T traumas, they can be frequent moves, frequent changes, friends leaving school, you moving to another place at very, very short notice. But over time, those small T traumas can kind of stack up and have more and more of an effect. Tell me more about this without words. I'm a words person. I'm a communication person. My poor kids, like, (laughs) I always ask them to articulate stuff. Like, how do we do this without words? So from my perspective, and this is where my my more um, therapist head comes on, is what are they saying without actually saying it? What is a child or a teenager or an adult, what is the person saying without actually verbally saying anything? And again, we all work in a globally mobile community. Uh, If you've lived in a country where you've not spoke the language, you become more attuned to this. What is somebody saying without using words? And what I found over time is that a lot of people have a kind of pattern. They will have a way of showing things. I always ask the, the, the question, are you upset because you're angry or angry because you're upset? Hmm. Most of us tend to be one or the other camp. So I get quite quite uh, angry and grumpy when I'm upset because it's easier for me to show that. That's very much my conditioning. Whereas I meet people that will be in floods of tears because they're angry. So important to, t- to cover a topic like trauma, because it's one of those things that we want to not see in our kids or hope they never have. But 
as we've seen, there can be some pretty dramatic changes that pop up because of our globally mobile lives and a sort of uncertain global context. So it's better to be prepared. The next thing, just a couple episodes later, I talked about in 166 Raw Edges of Entrepreneurship about the hard parts of running your own business in times of transition and what it takes to be 100% online. Again, little did I know that there would be people out there just like you who would have to take their business online 100% or face dramatic transitions that they hadn't foreseen. So if you have ever been in that position where you've had to give everything up and restart with feeling self-doubt, hey, I've been there. I was there in 2013 until one of my girlfriends said to me, Sunday, you're not giving everything up and starting from zero. You're taking your skills and competencies along with you. And that was the motivation to help me say yes with my whole heart and, and go for it. And I'm really grateful that I did. The one thing I have to say that I'm loving looking back on this with the distance is how many people I've witnessed make a pivot in their business or go 100% online and realize because they were forced to do it, that they could do it. And that the sort of hidden gift here is that had they not been forced, they wouldn't have done it. So that is absolutely something to celebrate. So at this point in Exit Happy Hour in our the fourth year, lockdown was now spreading quickly globally. And um, it was becoming very real for many, many people. Myself, personally, I'd gone from South Africa on a trip to Qatar, and suddenly I found myself locked in Switzerland by March. I had to come to terms that we were going to face uncertainty for COVID. What did that mean for my business? right? What does that mean for my family? What does that mean for how I can support my clients, right? And at the time, I felt like I was kind of ahead of the game, pressing people to think not just the next three months ahead, but the next half year. Little did I know that we would still be thinking about it so clearly. I'm sitting here in lockdown in South Africa in 2021, right? We all wanted to be on the other side so bad, and um, I was holding on to the idea to see my parents. And unfortunately, the only time I've seen my parents since then is through Zoom. So what we all had hoped would be a temporary reprieve were things that um, have carried with us very much into 2021, right? And when I did the feature uh, on Love on Lockdown, I had no idea that in 2021, there would be families that would still be separated or they would be locked in with each other, right? And creating new challenges because of that, okay? So if you're sitting there with a second wave, or maybe even your, your region is on its third wave, you might be getting the feeling that you have, I don't know, too much time with your partner? <laughs> or the challenges that you thought would be temporary are actually really firmly rooted in your relationship? Or maybe when all of the other distractions of what we would call our old regular lives are stripped away, you might even start to question what you're seeing and wondering if what's challenging now in your couplehood is something that can shift. Here's some insight in episode 175, Love on Lockdown Part 2 with Renata Andrade. 
She is a qualified psychologist and coach, and here's what she has to say about love in tight quarters. Let's let's step back here and think, okay, if you're if you're sheltered down with someone and you don't literally have that space anymore, what are some red flags, things that you're kind of to see coming or not going in a good direction? Yeah, of course. So um I think I think the there there are five in my mind that are most uh, relevant right now. Um, one is of course very obvious violence, shaming, coercion, threats, and and uh, stuff like that. We know for a fact that domestic violence is rate like raising up right now, and yeah. and all of that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a more obvious one that is not a red flag, but it's like a, you need to get help. Um, mm-hmm. um, as if you're having a heart attack at home, you would mm-hmm. get help now. So you would get help if that's kind. Of, that's the kind of thing that's happening, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but in a, in a kind of a lower level of that, if that starts to become a bit in the air, right? The the some unsafety or some shaming, some kind of uh, bullying, something like that. I think is a red flag to pay attention to what's happening in the relationship anyway. In episode 178, psychologist Vivian Chiona addresses something that many of you might have asked yourself. Is there such thing as midlife marriage crisis? In episode 178, she looks at midlife marriage meltdown. Right. And in any relationship, I mean, uh, for those who want to keep the relationship, it's, you know, you can be apart, whether emotionally or geographically. For a period of time and come closer again as I say to my clients it's like an accordion so it took me actually a decade to emotionally grasp this although uh, logically I could understand it that you know sometimes you can be apart emotionally with your partner and then come closer again however what I see in my clients and me sometimes is like it can really feel as a personal rejection when your partner that you have built all these things together it can be a little bit more distance because of their own personal issues and this is the moment actually to try to revert that and see it as an opportunity to grow together and adapt. Because if, there is no, if this is not used as, a prior, as an opportunity for growth, it can be detrimental to a relationship in the long term, especially if one of the two starts doubting whether they can be together. Because part of the middle life crisis is when, that you doubt your choices. Mm-hmm. And if you start doubting your choice about yet being married to this person then or being in a long-term relationship with someone, this is where the problem starts. Mm-hmm. And that's why for the person who's actually, for the partner who's, um, uh, who, uh, who is facing these challenges, it's important to remind them why they got married to you in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> in the midst of the relocation and everything changing in your life, you, there's so much noise around you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as you can see, these topics felt so relevant then, but are still relevant now. When we think about couplehood in times of uncertainty, when our distractions are away and all we have to do is focus on the person across from us. These are great um, sort of lighthouses to look towards. So check out those full episodes if you're questioning some things in your relationship on what you can do to stay more connected. As if adapting to lockdown wasn't enough then and looking at the core of our relationships when in very close quarters wasn't enough, 
it's impossible to ignore what was going on in the United States in May and June. You know, thinking about the sudden death of Ahmad Aubrey when he was fatally shot while jogging, and of course, George Floyd, which happened in front of the world. This focus on the Black Lives Matter movement, which has been going on for years and has been largely ignored by those it needs the attention of most, brought it to the global light. And naturally, in June, uh, that was something I wanted to make sure that I used my platform for to make sure that there was no question on which side I stood when it came to Black Lives Matter. I was joined first with Natando Soleil in episode 180 called Leading Change. She offers some advice that is, of course, as relevant as ever. Uh, there's, there's nowhere else to go besides forward. Inside, mm-hmm. completely inside of ourselves, and then uh, forward definitely forward. I think it's it's all in the little things that we can do. I could imagine that it makes a difference next time if somebody sitting across from you at a table who is a person of color talks about something that hurts them or talks about something that affects them in the community that you live in, that you try to not take it personally, that you just take a moment and listen. That's all, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like for me, that speaks more than um, you then trying to defend the person in the story, blah, 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 you know, which is what usually happens. Mm -hmm. Because taking a moment to just listen to somebody's pain validates who they are very deep within them. Mm -hmm. And for me, this is such a huge revolutionary act to do for a person of color in a situation. That episode was followed by Linking Arms with Naomi Hadaway, where we talked about the importance of community and linking arms to make an impact. We all need to take action. I'm hearing from you. There's no excuse. If you've got a passion, if you've got something you even remote interest in, you can follow that through and and do your part, stay in your lane, but do your part. Mm -hmm. And I I think it's, it also can be as simple as that, oh, happy Danny artwork, start at home. And I'm not suggesting like so many are. I, I, I <laughs> want to be cautious and not suggest you don't have to go talk to all of your family members who might have um, made a racist comment in the past. I don't know that that's actually the, the healthiest way to take action. But if you're raising children or if you have children in your life, which most of us do in, in one capacity or another, start there. Um, I've long said for many years that we are all leaders um, and that we all have a platform. And sometimes the platform is our kitchen table. And I think that if we all did our part to raise the next generation with more awareness of their own bias and more of an anti-racist lens, that's, that's the work. And it was my honor to have Jasmine Cochran on where she talked about Impressionable Young Minds in episode 182, offering a direction to implement anti-racism strategies inside her classroom and across the institution. 
thing. I've had so many people throughout my life say, before I met you, I had these beliefs about Black people, and then I spent time with you, and now I realize that stuff isn't true. A lot of this doesn't change because you read something and it is a theory. It changes through relationships. Absolutely. And so what we have to have is people who are willing to open doors for people who don't look like them Mm -hmm. and expose the people around them to diversity. I was listening Mm -hmm. to this guy the other day, he was giving a speech and he was saying, if you come here, this is the only opportunity you will get. This was a, a religious group. This is the only opportunity you will get to be around somebody who doesn't look like you. And I thought to myself, that's quite lazy. Mm-hmm. Because if you live in a city, you have a million opportunities right. to be around somebody who doesn't look like you. The way that we root this out is with truth and relationship. Obviously, with the events we recently saw at the Capitol on January 6th, there is so much more more work to do. And so far, I've only reflected on half of my fourth year. And I'm struck by the urgency in which we still need to be addressing all of these topics. Traumatic transitions, emergency preparedness, dealing with distance, and injustices in our communities. And just like a conversation that's happening right now in Expats on Purpose during a challenge week for Ignite that we're having, we are one part fatigued by the intensity of what we've been experiencing and one part grateful for the depth of growth and insight that we've gleaned by going through these incredibly hard things. It's like resilience is being built up in us in ways that will serve us and our families and our communities for years to come. That is the silver lining. And for me, with a weekly podcast, I don't have time to cover each and every podcast from the fourth year, nor even every topic. So what I wanted to do is sort of bring home one topic that caught my attention as I looked through the year. Um, That surprised me, but in hindsight, is really quite simple. In preparing this review, I was curious to see what was the most listened to podcast. And it was actually the initiative of a client who offered to come on Expat Happy Hour and simply share her experience. She said it was a way to kind of pay it forward to other women who felt like she did when we first met with hopes that they could feel like she did now after our work together. And that is where the episode 184, How to Lead an Unboring Life, came about. It was the highest listened episode of the entire year since the last anniversary episode. And that surprised me. It surprised me really pragmatically because based on sheer numbers, it's often my interviews that have higher listening because it's shared with uh, multiple audiences, right? But this one was different. There's something universal that Caroline talked about when it comes to people who are living an expat life and have been caught in routine or caught in a role or caught in society's expectations of who they should be. And 
she was brave enough to give her some straight talk on what that felt like. Yeah, there were lots of messy bits, you know, and I think there were it was like confusing and but but I think that the the one thing when I look back now at especially you know our period from when we started and we had our first session up until when I suddenly went like you know what I think I'm kind of I'm good <laughs> uh, yeah yeah which you know what's now recently uh, was that you know we did some exercises in the beginning that. I would, you know, I would never have done that unless you asked me to do that. I remember our session with you said Mm -hmm. to me, like, think about, uh, or before I see you next time, I want you to have done three really fun things. Fun things that have got nothing, there is no purpose to them. They must just be fun. You must just, you know, Mm -hmm. something that makes you excited. And I realized, remember, I had, I basically, my mind went blank. I had nothing (laughs) fun. Nothing fun came up in my head. Like, there, there was nothing. And I just realized that how depressing, like how sad of a state of mind is this, where I've like dug myself into a hole where someone says, go and do something fun and nothing comes up, nothing pops up. I mean, mm-hmm. that's sad. So that exercise when I, I was, you know, thinking about doing something fun and uh, um, I think I achieved at least two fun things mm-hmm. um, was it was very liberating because it, it forced me to think in a different way. And I started to allow myself to, to have fun, you know? Yep. Yep. I'm so grateful to Caroline for joining me on the episode because she really does call out some of the taboos and she shares what it took for her to lead what she calls an unboring life. And when I thought more about it, I was like, actually, this shouldn't be a surprise that this was one of the most popular episodes. Because when I think about the challenges that my clients face, it's around looking for more purpose and meaning outside of your role as a parent or as a spouse, or maybe being defined by your job. It's about breaking out of bad habits getting unstuck, being hungry for more connection. It's actually what I see is most common. So why wouldn't it resonate with my audience the most? And what I love about Caroline is that what made the difference is she roped herself in to making change. She basically said yes to herself, (laughs) by committing herself to our work together. And you can hear more about that in the episode, but she couldn't not make progress if she was engaged in this process, right? And she actually shared that she had tried to do it on her own a year or two earlier, but since she was in the same place, she realized she shouldn't ignore those emails anymore from me. (laughs) And it was that future self, that she saw and that she wanted and knew that things had to be different so she wouldn't stay stuck. I call this roping yourself in. You might just call it smart, right? But think about where you're standing right now. What do you want your future self to be like? 
And that could even be your future self in six months, nine months, 12 months. It doesn't have to be three years off, five years off. What is she doing? How is he feeling? What is she experiencing? Who does he spend the most time and energy with, right? Why not commit to a structure and accountability to make that progress inevitable? And that's exactly why I created Expats on Fire just for you, because I've listened to you and I know what you're looking for is to rope yourself in to something so that you can keep your energy high and your commitment to yourself strong. And as you learned just from a recent episode, episode 211, Rebound After Relapse, you don't need to muster up enormous willpower nor should you actually rely on that. But you can commit to a gentle yet effective change. All right? So this year, 2021, is where the excuses stop and you become unstoppable. This is bulletproof accountability and community, right? You know how you get aha moments from listening to episodes and then you feel inspired to do things differently? And then life gets in the way and you forget that you actually wanted to make a shift. (laughs) That stops now, right? So Expats on Fire is access to the private community for six months, live monthly training with me, monthly progress guides that will in and of themselves will change the trajectory of your entire month. Of course, to keep it fun, we've got challenges and prizes. I gift you a resource vault, which is of a value of $495. And it has hundreds of hours of resources, podcasts, trainings, worksheets to help you with whatever you're facing, in addition to the resources that are already part of the program. And of course, mini coaching and video drops from me. If you're really interested in um, accountability and a deep dive, there's also 12 live group coaching calls in the premium pass, right? So this is what is happening. I'm so excited to get started. In Excess on Fire, it's really designed to focus on surging your self-confidence, making you a priority, establishing and enforcing boundaries, clearing out the negative mind, right? Breaking bad habits, making new patterns, which is probably very connected to improving your health, amplifying your impact, living more in purpose and more, right? There's a goal that you have in your heart that you want to do. And the combination of what we focus on every month is going to help you get there. You deserve to give yourself the same support you give others, right? And now with Excess on Fire, you have people in your corner who get you. You deserve to be firing on all cylinders. (laughs) So I really want you to check it out because never before have I offered such a sustainable program at this level of affordability. Look at it and take advantage of the early bird pricing before January 27th, right? Imagine what you'll accomplish in 2021 with me and other expats cheering on your progress. Join us because together we will be unstoppable. You've been listening to Expat Happy Hour with Sunday Schneider Bean. Thank you for being part of this special fourth birthday episode. 
I want to say my heartfelt thanks for being a listener. It means the world to me that you are here. You keep me going week after week. I'll leave you with this inspiration from author Mac R. Douglas. The achievement of your goal is assured the moment you commit yourself to it. 